Hey, Verbivores. Welcome back to the Verba Coffee Chat Podcast. It's no surprise that we love data. In this episode, we sit down with Brittany Conley, research analyst at the National Association of College Stores, to digest the key data points from the most recent Faculty Watch survey produced by NACS. Listen in to learn how course material costs are declining, how the LMS is taking the leading role with faculty, and how faculty preferences are shifting from print to digital. This episode is packed full of fun data points that will have you looking at your course material strategy in new ways. Hey, Brittany, how's it going? Hi, Lisa, doing good today. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the podcast. We are really excited to have you on. I know that I attended and a lot of our audience probably attended your recent webinar around the Faculty Watch data overview. It was really insightful. And I think that this is going to be an awesome episode for our listeners to just hear an overview and some of the key data points and key findings that came out. So thank you for, for A, all your hard work and all that you do around research. I know Faculty Watch is just one component. I know the Student Watch survey coming up. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here too and talk about a little bit of that that we do. Fun. So Brittany gave me a preview and said that she just has the student watch data hot off the press. So (laughs) we definitely have that to look forward to. But today we're going to dig in a little bit to the faculty watch insights. So do you want to share just an overview of kind of what the focus was, what kinds of topics you looked at, a little bit about the sample, just so our listeners have an idea of what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Just to give you an idea, like what the study itself is. So we partner with both institutions and campus stores, and we make a survey and hold it on our, you know, online platform. Uh, But we work with the campuses and institutions to send that out to their campuses uh, and survey their students. In the case of Faculty Watch, we're talking to faculty. So we're asking faculty questions. We do this survey every year, and it's mostly surrounding course materials. So every year we kind of say, you know, it's titled Attitudes and behaviors towards course materials. So that's certainly the focus. Uh, But this year, obviously, with all the changes in higher education this year due to the pandemic and due to the, you know, swap to online learning and remote learning, we still, I would say, focused it on course materials. But just because of how big that shift was and how much that changed everything, a lot of it also focused on basically the changes that came about due to the pandemic. And just to give you an idea of size, we had 17 participating institutions for this past one. And across those 17 institutions, we had just under 1,000 faculty respond. Being in this industry, I think all of us are very intrigued to know what faculty perceptions and thoughts were mm-hmm. this past year, because there were probably a lot of them. So yeah. um, I, think, I think it's a, a really interesting topic. And um, again, some great points and, and things that maybe we were all thinking our faculty mm-hmm. were thinking that I, I feel like almost you were able to confirm throughout the survey. So some really great stuff. And I do want to share if there's interest, you can actually reach out and source can purchase this data, right? If they want to yeah. see the results. I mean, it's basically available for anyone that wants to purchase. Uh, you don't have to be an X member to purchase. If you are, you actually get a discount. I also will throw in there for future years. I'm always kind of recruiting that anybody who participates in the survey. So those institutions I mentioned, um, they get all this information for free along with their campus specific data. So available for purchase if you didn't get the chance to participate, but also, you know, you can participate in the future too and get all this data. That's a great call out. So without further ado, let's dig in because this data is really fun. Yeah, let's get into it. I think it was interesting and maybe want to kick this off talking about course materials. 
average number of course materials being required. Can you share a little bit of insight of, of what your findings were around that component? That's kind of how we tend to talk about it too, right? To like set the base. And we ask a lot of questions we ask every year so that we have tracking, right? Uh, and this year we saw that faculty on average are teaching about 3.8 courses on average, just kind of to give you the stage of the course materials. And overall, they were requiring about six course materials on average. So if we divide those two, um, they require about 1.6 course materials per course. And that was up from previous surveys, right? That's something that I thought was interesting. And maybe can you share like what percentage that was up and why you think that was the case? That's kind of one of the benefits of doing this survey every year that we can kind of look at what that is relative to the past years. And 1.6 was actually up quite a bit from even just last year, it was 1.4. But we had seen that same increase of basically like 0.2 units. We had seen that increase, the same increase the year prior to that. So we basically went from 1.2 to 1.4 to 1.6. So at least for the past about three years, we're increasing by about 0.2 course materials per academic year. What do you think is driving that? Do you think it's it's better reporting? Are they adding in like their OER and considering mm-hmm. that part of the usage or, or that looks like? Right. That's a great question. And I think a lot of times when I get questions about, you know, like, okay, like what is causing that? I think it always so much ends up being a lot of things. One of the things we also ask is the number of free materials used by faculty. And we see that free materials is increasing a lot of times faster than just the overall use of materials. So I think part of that increase can definitely be contributed to the amount of free materials available. You know, I think faculty are oftentimes, you know, they pay attention to how much students have to spend. So they're not necessarily, in fact, I have stats on that too. uh, They're not making students spend more when they're requiring more materials, meaning they're very likely just basically outsourcing to other places. So it's not just those paid for materials, it's also free materials or lower cost materials, and maybe using more of those to cover the course content instead of just relying on, you know, the one single traditional print book or two or three traditional books like we may have seen before. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, since you you referenced that, do you want to share a little bit about what that spending looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We mentioned a little bit student watch, which we do right alongside faculty watch uh, basically every year. And on the student side, we ask students how much they're spending on their course materials. And during the same exact period of basically faculty requiring more materials, we actually see year to year students spending less each year. So, you know, I referenced two years ago that we were all the way down at faculty only requiring 1.2 course materials. So that was the 17-18 year. Back in that year, students were spending $484, whereas now faculty are requiring 1.6 materials, but students are only spending $413. And I have that, you know, back a number of years, while even though the number of materials faculty require increases, uh, what we're actually seeing is students spending less over that same period of time. That yearly student spend is a number that I think it's referenced a lot. And I would love your insight on a few things. So the first part is, what are your thoughts on digital impact with that number? Do you think that digital is driving some of those costs down? I know in some of our data, in fact, this past spring, we found that stores that were using inclusive access just this spring alone saved their students $18.5 million. And that's only comparing their inclusive access digital price to the digital list price. So obviously, if you were to compare that to a print material, that savings would increase drastically. But I'm wondering if you have found in your research any correlation with increased digital usage and that number declining. 
So if we're looking at strictly years, like when that's happened, we have been seeing increase in digital at, at the same time period we're seeing lower spend. So certainly if we're looking at just like the year correlations, um, we are seeing those two things correlate. I think one of the important things when we talk about, you know, is digital uh, impacting like the lower spend? I think we definitely have to talk about choice in that case. When digital is an option alongside print and like used print, if students are opting for it, it can definitely be because of lower cost in some cases. We do also sometimes see cases where there's less choice involved. And in those times, you know, it's likely that spending isn't impacted as much. So as long as digital is an option when maybe there are also other options, especially things like used print materials, in those instances, that's definitely when we see more correlation between lower spending and higher digital use. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think that's that's so great. And I know that we um, you know, talk a lot about making sure that stores provide a lot of student choice where they can, mm-hmm. because I think campus stores are kind of the leader when it comes to content distribution and how content, you know, kind of gets out to their students. And so offering as many choices as, you know, makes sense financially for a campus store, I think helps support those student purchase behaviors and helps them find those lower cost options. So that's great. Do you think that this reduction in student spend is happening because students are purchasing less of their required course materials and actually choosing to go without? Do you think there's a correlation there? You know, when we look at kind of equity among students and being able to purchase it, do you think that numbers is driving down because they're just choosing not to purchase those? That's actually a common question I get, believe it or not, especially when I talk about the student spending decline. Luckily, that's actually something we measure, the amount of students who we call it opting out a lot of times. So they opt out of obtaining a material for one reason or another, oftentimes because of cost. But nowadays, even uh, more so sometimes just because the materials, they don't think they're necessary for their courses. And what we found is that hasn't really significantly changed across the years. There are a large portion of students who don't obtain all their materials. So that is something happening, students not obtaining their materials. That's absolutely something we see in the data, but it's not necessarily something that's been increasing at some high rate that could explain that spending decline. We love hearing that the student spend is declining per academic year, even though faculty are choosing to adapt more materials. Keep listening as we get the data on faculty LMS usage and how that compares to their usage of print during the pandemic. So something else that I thought was really interesting and kind of a takeaway from the data when I looked at it around the faculty watch survey was that print usage obviously was continuing to decline significantly and that faculty actually used the LMS more than they used a print, a new print material. A, am I getting the data right? And B, can you share some insight? Because that was pretty intriguing to me. Yeah, um, basically you said it exactly uh, as it was. And very similarly, when I was going through the data, also very shocked at that. Absolutely, every year we've been doing this, at least since I've been on board, I'm sure probably before that. It's kind of always the case that print is the most used format. Now, LMS is, of course, not like that's not an apples to apples comparison, right? We know learning management systems aren't exactly a format, but it is like a delivery, right? And I think that there's some different things we look at and we're like, okay, this may have been somewhat impacted by the pandemic or this could 
could be like something else going on. I think this is one we can definitely say was heavily related to the pandemic and more specifically to the switch to online learning. So to put the numbers behind that, 77% of faculty had used print this past academic year in their courses, and 84% of faculty had used LMS in some form during that same time period. So that's the first year on record we've ever seen those kind of flip-flop where more were actually using the LMS. I would say I would attribute that to two main things. One, just you know, if you're in person, if you're learning in class, there's probably just less of a need. It's more of like, it supplements your in-person class, right? Like posting that stuff online. But when you're online class, like it's a very likely scenario where the class itself is somewhat hosted on the LMS, or at least the materials are hosted on the LMS. So that was probably one part of it. You know, we've also seen inclusive access increasing in use these years, uh, especially this year. We saw an even larger increase. A lot of times, like, links for that and stuff are also done through the LMS. So I think both of those two things are probably why we saw that shoot up so much this year. Yeah, and I think, you know, if if you're, you know, in, in the campus or industry, like, this isn't a point to really pay attention to. If you, you know, don't have relationships with your learning management system team, like, this is telling you, like, this is an important avenue, and this is a, a relationship that you really should have and be fostering because we're seeing this obviously increase with faculty using the LMS for whether it's, you know, course delivery, course content delivery, it really tends to be kind of that hub at an institution that connects the faculty to the students, you know, whether they're, you know, remote learning or in-person learning. To follow that up to, you know, especially if you're talking about things to do in the future, I think everybody's worried when we're talking about pandemic era things of, well, is that just a fad that happened this year and it'll return to normal? Uh, But another question we ask faculty is if they used any new technology or courseware this year that they will continue to use long term. And the majority of faculty said that, yes, they were exposed to something this year that they'll continue to use long term. So if we think about something like, okay, way more faculty were using LMS this year, it's important to pair that with the stat, like, and faculty said they use new things this year that they'll continue to use. So that's definitely one example of something, you know, don't assume that they were just maybe forced to use LMS because they had to put that class online when really we're seeing a majority say at least some technology, I can't say for a fact it's LMS, but at least some of their new technology that they were exposed to this year, they do plan to continue using long-term. One of the things that was also interesting was kind of just your results around inclusive access and inclusive access participation with faculty. Can you share just some overall insights on what faculty are thinking about inclusive access and what their usage um, has been around those types of programs? Usage especially, that's where we've seen some crazy jumps the last couple years. We started measuring inclusive access around 2016, 2017, when it was kind of starting to take over more than just a handful of stores. But still, it was only around 3% of faculty. The next year, we saw it jump to 5%. But by 2018-19, so the next year, it jumped up to 12 which, you know, was more than double the 5% we saw the year before. Uh, And then this year, it actually jumped up to 21%. So nearly another doubling, Um, not quite a doubling, but still quite a big increase uh, from 12% last year to 21%. So now we're at the place, you know, where one in five faculty uh, have used some form of inclusive access. One of the big takeaways from our data collection this past spring was that e-textbooks have taken a much bigger role in IA programs. We actually found that standalone e-books became 37% of the total units delivered through IA programs. That was up from 28% from the previous spring term. Now, as the pandemic happened, I think more and more stores were turning to digital delivery, and that obviously increased the number of e-text. And I think some interesting data that correlated to the number of faculty identifying using e-text. Is that right? 
Yeah. So when you said that increase in ebook um, usage through the platform, like we saw very similar where, you know, we're asking just how many faculty used ebooks. Um, and we saw a similar increase where we're not measuring by units. In this case, we're measuring by faculty. And 53% of faculty had used an ebook last year in some of their courses. And this year, we saw that jump to 62%. So definitely during the same time, we kind of also saw an increase in how many faculty were using ebooks. Uh, if I would go back a year, we actually, this increase isn't specific to just this year. So this is maybe one that I wouldn't necessarily classify as just pandemic related because before that 53%, it was actually 45%. So kind of a similar size jump uh, even the year before. So ebook seems to be something that's been increasing even kind of before the changes related to the pandemic, at least in our data. And one of the things we see, you know, with adding, you know, just standalone e-text through inclusive access programs is they are driving savings for students. So typically um, an ebook saves about 25% off of the parable digital equivalent delivered outside of an IA program. So if you can imagine, you know, comparing that digital standalone e-text to a print format, that savings is going to again increase, but we always like to compare kind of apples to apples. So that 25% savings, you know, compares it to the digitalist price, but Again, I think another point where stores are finding opportunities to save students money and build and grow kind of their day one access is by increasing the amount of just standalone e-text added to their program. So I do love seeing those correlations and where faculty are like, yes, we're using more e-text as well. I think it it's just kind of getting that exposure into kind of the yeah. different formats of digital and where faculty can identify the difference between, oh, I'm using courseware. What does that mean? Or I'm using a standalone e-text. What does that mean? Because yeah. that terminology is often confusing when you you know, when you're not as familiar with it. So it's, it's neat to see them kind of self-identify and understand the difference. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think honestly, that can tie just back into what we were saying with, you know, if they use it this year, they're likely to, if they've learned to use something new this year, there's a good chance they may continue to use it in the future. I think this is another case, just like with LMS, where we may see increased usage just because they've now had that exposure and they've learned how to use these new things. Affordability is a key driver for scaling inclusive access programs, and faculty are identifying how they can play a role in reducing the cost of required course materials. Keep listening to hear how faculty preference is evolving, shifting from print to digital formats. One of the data points that was interesting and that we always, I think, talk about when we when we look at, you know, stores wanting to grow their IA program is, you know, obviously student preference for digital, but more importantly here is the faculty kind of format preference. I know you have some great data around this supporting kind of this almost a transition and increased support from, you know, print to digital. Can you share some of your insight around what faculty said regarding their preference? Yeah, I would say over the past maybe three or four years, this has been kind of one of the big stories I would say coming out of Faculty Watch. Like you said, we talk a lot about student preference, and I think faculty preference gets talked about less when in reality, you know, that's a big part of the story. And, you know, just a couple years ago, let's say like four years ago, the vast majority of faculty preferred print and very few preferred digital, only like 6% preferring digital. So less than one in 10 saying, yeah, they, their preferred format for their class was digital. Whereas this year, uh, nearly one in 
for faculty. So they actually preferred some type of digital. You know, we just talked about the difference between things like ebook and some of the other content like courseware. So we kind of combine these two to look at like a combined digital measurement. So when I say that one in four, I'm talking about any kind of digital, whether it's an ebook, whether it's courseware, any kind of additional content. And print has actually dropped down to less than half. So only 44% of faculty preferred some type of print. And similar to digital, that's like a combined print measure. So that's both traditional print materials, or we're talking about just an open and close, you know, print textbook. But also that includes print textbooks that are bundled with additional digital content. So even if we include that category in print, still less than half of faculty preferred print this year. The only thing I would throw in there too is much like students, we also give faculty the option to just say it, say it depends on the course. And just like with students, we do see a number of faculty who the preference basically just changes based on the course. They don't have a strictly print preference or a strictly digital preference. So that's kind of like the third piece of that puzzle. It's an interesting shift though. I think, you know, in the past, if you were to, you know, approach faculty, I think our perception was often that, you know, it was kind of the sell to them around, you know, what hmm. people could do. And yeah. I think that that sell, if you want to call it that, is becoming easier because faculty are able to identify. And it probably, you know, relates to the sheer amount of faculty that are, are now using digital. Mm-hmm. You know, once they use it, they tend to maybe prefer print less, um, again, depending upon the course or content they're using. But it is interesting to see that kind of that shift happen. And I think that same thing is happening with students, you know, obviously making it easier for stores to offer more digital offerings or, you know, kind of transition their strategy because we are seeing that preference chain. We all have assumptions as to, you know, why we think digital may become more of a preference, but do you have like actual facts that might give us some insight there? Yeah. And I think we kind of need that, right, to like finish the story of like, okay, so where is this increase in digital coming from? Uh, And first I'll say it depends which type of digital we're talking about, whether we're talking about kind of your standard ebook or that more adaptive learning content. Um, When it comes to just plain old digital ebooks, the number one reason is just the lower cost to students. So just like we've been talking about how, you know, how does digital lower cost? That's something faculty keep in mind. And that's the number one reason they prefer something like just a digital ebook. They also say that those are available. There's a lot of availability there in traditional ebooks. And meanwhile, a different answer on, you know, the digital content side. So that's anything from courseware, adapting learning content and whatnot. They actually think that the ability to integrate those into both like homework or other coursework uh, is the number one reason they're using those things. So definitely different reasons here, you know, the ability to tie homework right into the course content and all that and have that kind of sit in one place is the number one reason for digital content. But the number two reason is also lower costs. So lower cost is definitely a huge reason for faculty preferring digital uh, with kind of the additional reason of that ability to integrate into other course content being another plus for the digital content side of things. I love that. I love when we can confirm that faculty care about course material affordability. I think that that just really, you know, unifies the importance of inclusive access and digital and what it's doing at a lot of campuses. You know, affordability is is driving a lot of their decision making when it comes to format. All right. Well, Brittany, this was amazing. Thank you so much, um, not only for joining us in this podcast today, but more importantly, for all your hard work um, that you do compiling this data. I think it's so valuable for stores to have and to really understand, you know, what's going on in in faculty minds so that they can really prepare a solid course material strategy and and know what that, you know, impact is going to look like. So thank you for all your hard work you do year round and the hard work of everyone at NACS for, you know, just their execution of this. We truly appreciate it within the industry. 
Oh, that's absolutely great to hear. Thank you so much. Um, I think we quickly mentioned, but I don't know if I gave uh, the site or anything. So best place to find more information or if you're looking to purchase the report, um, that's just going to be on campusresearch.org. Uh, you know, there'll be a link to Student Watch or Faculty Watch, whatever you're looking to learn more about, you know, find it there. You can even email questions there if you have them. Uh, to find contact information. So I'm always happy to provide more information, however however the requests come in. And if you're a data nerd, definitely get this report. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of facts and details that we obviously didn't get to cover today. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of great stuff inside that. So awesome. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to see the Student Watch survey results coming out soon. Oh, me too. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening and big thanks to Brittany. Her work is so impressive and critical in identifying key trends in course materials. Make sure to subscribe to the Verba Coffee Chat podcast so you know when the next episode is live.